Romans chapter 4, verse 17. The heading for it is Abraham staggered not. And that's verses 17 through 25. This will take us to the very end of the chapter. This is our last division that we have in chapter 4. And then, like I said, next time we gather, not next week, but after that, next week we'll finish up this. But after that, chapter 5. So it's going to work out really good. Uh, Abraham staggered not. Verses 17 through 25. Yes. You spell staggered. Yes. You don't have a Bible next to you, Charles. Staggered. S T A G G E R E D. Abraham staggered not. Verses 17 through 25. I'll just be honest, as I studied for this, I studied up to verse 22 for this class. That's, that's about as far as we'll get, as far as this class, the next class. Like I said, we'll finish it out. But when we read it, we're going to go ahead and just read through the end of the chapter because it really brings it all together. We'll kind of get the first part of it. And then the second part it really shows what Paul's trying to say. But we're only going to make it through about half of it tonight. So we'll just read it all. That way we can get the context. Uh, of it, but as I was studying for it, I just administered to me. I needed this passage of scripture for me in my place in life right now, the season that I'm in. It really ministered to me, so I pray that it does the same for you uh, as it did me. So let's go ahead and read. If I cough, I'm sorry. If I clear my throat a lot, I'm sorry. I've been fighting sickness for it seems like forever now. So Abraham staggered not, verse 17 through 25. Here we go, verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him whom raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So Abraham staggered not. We saw before... Abraham as an example, talking about justification by faith, Abraham, and then David, and then how uh, justification is apart from circumcision, and then it's apart from the law, and now here we are at Abraham staggering not. And this is really, I'm not really open that this opens up to show how this fits into the redemption plan of God, because God hadn't promised me a son, so I can't say, oh, God promised Abraham a son, and so therefore promised me a son. 
there's something that took place that's of more important than what the actual promise was. Uh, a lot of times the focus about Abraham and Isaac is that God promised Abraham a son. Abraham wanted a son. He didn't have a son. He wanted a son. God promised him a son. Abraham believed that God was going to give him a son. And through that, Abraham was a righteous man. And he believed God. And God liked Abraham and thought Abraham was great because Abraham trusted him and believed him. And some of that's true. And a lot of it is just not really quiet as accurate. It doesn't really hit the mark of what God's really trying to say. I'll say that. That's probably the best way to say it. It leaves off a whole lot. And it doesn't always show how that applies to me right now. Because God didn't promise me a <laughs> So, and, and how about this? How about whenever God maybe does promise you something in the natural, you just don't really see it happening. And, and you try to hold on to that. And sometimes it causes you to just lose your faith. But I want to show you how this really fits in the redemption plan of God. What God is really trying to bring across here that applies to us right now. And guess what it applies to? It's going to apply to justification and your sanctification. That's really the main goal for God in our life. It is not to make us wealthy, rich. It's not even to give us a son or whatever it is. It's to grow us into the to mold us and shape us into the image of Christ that we might be more like him that we might be free from sin amen that's our that's our problem sin is our problem not having a son is not our problem not having money is not our we think it's our problem but that's not our problem our problem is sin <clears throat> so i'm really hoping to bring that across uh tonight and cuz that really the lord just really encouraged me touched me in my study of it so thankful for that. Uh, Dad, verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. This is taken from Genesis chapter 17, verses 4 through 5. It was fulfilled before New Testament times. All of the Arab nations have their origin in Abraham uh, through his son Ishmael and the Jews through his son Isaac. So all Arab nations come from Ishmael and the Jews come from Isaac. So all, that was all fulfilled before the New Testament even came about. And the Arab nations existed and the Jews existed and those both came from Abraham. And we'll see that that wasn't necessarily a good thing <laughs> because uh, the Arabs hate the Jews. <laughs> Uh, just like Ishmael hated Isaac because Isaac was a promise uh, of born of the spirit and Ishmael was of the flesh and the flesh hates the spirit and the flesh wants to kill the spirit. So the Arab nations to this day want to kill the Jews, want to annihilate the Jews and it isn't just because of a piece of land. Believe it or not, as much as people want to make that seem like that's the case, if you really look at scripture, they were born of the flesh. Abraham and Sarah moved in the flesh and created Ishmael. From Ishmael, we have the Arab nations and the, and the Jews came from Isaac. Isaac was the promised seed. The Arabs say that Ishmael was the promised seed. So we have all of this, Senator, and that's why they hate, that's why they hate. And they do hate. 
<laughs> and that's why. See, everything, everything, and I don't care what, however it's presented to you in school, in school it was not presented to me this way. I learned a lot more when I went to Bible college than I ever did going through first grade through 12th grade. <laughs> Especially about history. History will give it to you from a certain perspective and a certain point of view. But when you see it from the biblical point of view, it totally opens it up. Yeah. Totally different. Uh, a different way. There's all, there's spiritual warfare behind every single thing. Every single thing. If you look at any war that's ever taken place on earth, you will find somewhere in it spiritual warfare. And you will also find that whenever someone won, God's hand was involved in that. Every single time. Every single time. You look at, of old, a lot of the great battles, and we, we talk about uh, England and all of these, that one of the biggest reasons why they survived was ministers. Not necessarily this battle taking place and when they had this great army, there were ministers in that area at the time that were preaching the truth. And God was in that. The reason America is what America is, whether America wants to believe it or not, is the church. If the church goes away, as much as America thinks that will be the best thing ever, if the church is removed, America will plummet to its death. They will be they will not be the power, the world power. They won't. God has exalted America for a season. But we won't stay the superpower. Scriptures plainly reveals that. And I'm okay with that because I know who ultimately is going to be the superpower. And it is Israel. And they should be. And Jesus will be the king. <laughs> and I can't wait for that. <laughs> anyway, that, there's always there's things behind it. So that there's, there's more behind the Arabs hating the Jews than just, hey, we want this piece of land. That's not it. That's not it at all. Uh, okay, so uh, the next part. Then. Before him whom he believed. Uh, he refers to Abraham believing God. Even God. <laughs> uh, who quickens the dead. Yes. Has, this has respect to miracle working power of Jehovah. It pertains to the coming resurrection, but more particularly, it pointed to the Lord quickening Abraham in order that he could have children even at his advanced age. And you can see that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12. Uh, Brittany, can you get to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12? Also in this, we, we can see... Um, we can see a, a spiritual application, which is you're always going to be able to see that. And it's most of the time it's more that than anything. But who quickens the dead? God. God is the one who can take someone who is dead in sins and trespasses and quicken them by the Holy Spirit through the born again experience that they become alive and no more dead. Before you got saved, before each one of us got saved, we were dead. In spiritually dead in sins and trespasses. We were separated from God. But when you said yes to Jesus, 
saying you were quickened by the Holy Spirit, made alive unto God. Now you could feel his presence before you couldn't feel his presence. But now you were, you could feel it because just like that, you were literally raised from the dead. Spiritually, you were dead. And because you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, truly from the heart, not just lip service like what they talked about, this Brother Huntley talked about this morning, not just saying a prayer, but from your heart, you believe, hey, whoa, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Bang. You were made alive. Right now, we are no longer dead spiritually. Each one of us are alive. That's good. That praise God. <laughs> we are not dead. We're not walking around. We're not walking dead men. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Sorry. We are alive in Christ Jesus. Amen. Yes, Hebrews okay. 11.12. Therefore, sprang there even as one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore in the earth. Thank you. Abraham's body, as far as far as a child, as far as procreation goes, was dead. He was old. He was like, what, like 100 years old? I think he was about 100 years old. He was, as far as procreation goes, his body was dead. So was Sarah's. But yet, it said, who quickens the dead? Who quickeneth the dead? That his body, God was able to quicken, make alive the procreation part of Abraham again in order that he might have a child. Uh, Dad, the next. And cause those things which be not as though they were. This presents a description of the use of faith as well as its power. When the believer functions in the capacity and principle of biblical faith, he has locked into the same force and power used by God to create all things. Abraham trusted God, even though appearances said otherwise. So Abraham is past the age of procreation. That's just not going to happen. It's dead. But yet, Scripture says that God was able to quicken him in order that he might bear a son. And it said that God notice that this Scripture I've seen this Scripture taken totally out of context, used totally in the wrong way, especially for those who promote hyper-faith is and call it those things which be not as though they were. Well, you're able to call things. No, you know, it says God did that, actually. I'm talking about God here, not us. There is nothing that you can call into existence. I just want to just say that right now. You don't have that power because you are God. Only God can do that. And God is the one who calls those things which be not as though they were. What we have in Christ, God did that exact same thing. He did that for what we have in Christ Jesus. When you're baptized into Christ, you're placed into him, baptized into his death, buried and resurrected. You have a position in Christ Jesus. You're given right, perfect righteousness, though you never failed one time, that you've never broken the law ever in your entire life, the perfect, spotless righteousness, and you are seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. That's God 
calling those things which be not as though they were. Your sanctification, God calls that even though it's not presently, but He calls it, uh, which be not as though they were. You're not through with the sanctification process. But when glorification comes, you'll be perfectly sanctified. He knows the end result. God sees you not in your current condition. He sees you as the end result. When God looks at Brother Danny, Brother Danny sees all Brother Danny's faults and failures and shortcomings and mishaps and even other people who see all of Brother Danny's shortcomings, falling, mid sins. Oh man, Brother Danny. Man, oh, did you see what Brother Danny did? That's what men see. And Brother Danny sees that. But when God looks at Brother Danny, God sees his son, Jesus Christ. That's what he sees when he looks at Brother Danny. He sees the righteousness of Christ. And he sees Brother Danny as though he's already glorified. When God looks at you, Brother Danny, he sees you as though you're already glorified. I see you as going through the sanctification process. But God looks at you and sees you as already glorified. And that's for each and every one of us. Because he calls those things which be not as though they were. Yeah, but you aren't sanctified. Oh, I know I'm not sanctified. But God calls those things which be not as though they were. As though it's already done. Because in the mind of God, guess what's already done? Your salvation. And that's a whole... Salvation is justification, sanctification, glorification. The word salvation is all three of those things. Not just one. It's all three. So when you say salvation, you mean justification, sanctification, and glorification. All of those three are fall into... The one word, salvation. So if, when God said, pray to God, you're saved. That means justified, sanctified, glorified. Yeah, but in my condition, I don't see that sanctification. You're right, you don't. And neither does any other believer. In their condition, they don't see the end result of fully sanctified. Paul said that I press toward the mark. Not I have not attained... Not that I've attained or I've reached perfection, but I press toward the mark that I might be conformed into his, uh, I'm sorry, be made conformable unto his death, the power of his resurrection. So we're not, through the whole sanctification process, we are not going to be perfect. We're going to fail, we're going to bust our face. People are going to see you bust your face. And people are going to have thoughts about how much you busted your face. But God calls those things which be not as though they were. And when you fail, God says, get up. Because when he looks at you, he sees you as though you're already glorified. For him, your sanctification is going to be completed. If you keep your faith right, if you keep believing, if you keep, see that's the key, if you keep believing, 
If you keep believing, he that has begun a good work in you will complete it. If you keep believing. See, that's the kicker. If you stop believing, he can't complete it. You tie his hands. If you keep believing, then what he started, he will finish. It's not a, it's not a question in the mind of God about whether it'll be finished. Because to him, it's already done. Because you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, it's already done. God made the promise to Abraham, the Redeemer is going to come through your line, Abraham. Abraham, I don't have a, well, I don't have a line, Lord. I don't have a son. How can the Redeemer come through me if I don't even have a son? How can he come through my line if I don't have a son? And if I don't have a son, I don't have a line. But God already decreed in heaven, the Redeemer's coming. And it'll be through Abraham's line and lineage. Even though Abraham couldn't see the manifestation of a son, didn't mean God was never in doubt that what was going to happen. Because he had already decreed it. It's the same way with your salvation. God's not up in He's not in doubt. He's already decreed it from heaven. If you believe in Jesus Christ, my son, then you'll be saved. You'll have forgiveness of sin. The power of sin is broken. Victory over sin. This is decreed from heaven. We don't always see it in our condition. Let's just be honest. We just be, we're going to have to be real and just be honest. We walk through this life and we fail. We, as born again believers, we sin. And if you say, no, not me, you just lied and you just sinned. <laughs> but yet, just because you fail doesn't mean that God lied. Because he calls those things which be not as though they were. Sanctification. Well, he says that I, I'm, I'm, I have the perfect spotless righteousness of God in Christ. But yet I don't see that manifested in my life all the time. Okay, what are you going to believe? See, now we talk about the fight of faith. What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what you can see, feel, and hear? Or are you going to believe what God said? God said in Christ. If you believe, then you have this, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus given to you. But I don't see it, okay? There's your test of faith. When you don't see it, when you don't feel it, or you don't hear it. Are you going to believe what you see, feel, and hear? Are you going to believe the Word of God? Okay, so, and call of those things which be not as though they were. Uh, verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope. This presents a description of Abraham's faith. 
Hope in the Greek is E-L-P-I-S. E-L-P-I-S. And it means to anticipate, usually with pleasure. To anticipate, usually with pleasure. The Greek word, one more time, is E-L-P-I-S. And it means to anticipate, usually with pleasure. The idea is Abraham's faith was contrary to hope, at least as far as nature could give hope, but rested on hope that God could do what nature could not do. As far as nature went, Abraham had no hope. As far as procreation goes for him, he was dead. So his hope couldn't rest on the natural thing. He could not rest his hope on his ability to procreate. So he had to rest his hope in something else. Abraham rested his hope in God's ability. Not his own, because he, he didn't have it. Abraham was 100 years old. How the, He is dead. As far as procreation goes, Abraham's body is dead. He cannot procreate at 100 years old. So as far as the natural hope goes, Abraham has none. The only way that this can happen is if God performs it. So Abraham took his hope, which he didn't have any in the natural, but he took and he rested it upon God's ability to perform what he said he would do. Amen. That's our salvation. Right. Our hope is not in our own ability or in our own self or anything else, but God's ability to perform what he said he would do. Yes. That's biblical hope. And once again, this let's keep this in context. We're talking about our salvation. We're talking about forgiveness of sin, uh, victory over sin, Christ-like character, holiness, righteousness. We're talking about all of these things. We're not talking about the house that you want. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about things in this life, because those will all fade away. We're talking about eternal things. Uh, the word against in the Greek is para. I think that's how you say it. P-A-R-A. -A. Long definition here. You ready? It means beyond. <laughs> beyond. That's the definition. Beyond. <laughs> in other words, Abraham's situation was beyond human hope. But despite that, he rested it upon hope in God. Amen. We're going to just, just, how many times do you think about your walk so far with the Lord? Have you been in a God has God Himself has brought you to a situation where you have no hope in the natural? There is no hope. 
So you must what? Rest your hope in God. God, if you don't do it, it can't be done. If you don't do it, it can't be done. Let's look at Old Testament. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Our God is able to deliver us. Yeah. But if He doesn't, we're still not going to bow the knee. But He's able to do it. But if He doesn't, their hope, they have no ability within themselves to survive the fiery furnace. It was The furnace was greater than those three men and any man. So much that even the, the guards that threw them in burned up and they didn't even get in the fire. The ones that threw them in the fire were killed like that because it was so hot. But their hope was not in themselves, in their ability to escape or whatever. It wasn't in that. It wasn't even in their consecration to the Lord. Their hope was in that God is able to deliver. If, he, if it's His will, He'll deliver. If it isn't, we're still not going to bow to Him. Not only was he able, but he went through it with them. He did. He went with them. There was another man. There was another man in the fire. But their hope was in God. God's ability to perform. Biblical hope is inseparable from faith in God. Because of what God has done in and through Christ. The Christian can expect future blessings which are at present invisible. Uh, Sarah, can you go to 2 Corinthians 1.10? Christians can expect future blessings which are at present invisible. We can't see the future blessings that we have. We, we can't see... The, the robe of righteousness. I mean, let's just be honest. We can't see the robe of righteousness that, that we have in Christ. We can't see that. We can't see the streets of gold. We can't see all of the future blessings. We can't even fathom what our bodies are going to be like. We can't fathom it. But we have so many future blessings in Christ Jesus. And that, that, that right now we can't see them, but they're sure. 2 Corinthians 1.10 Yes. Who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, and who we trust that he will still deliver us. The believer in Christ alone has hope for the future. The reason being that the goodness of God for the believer is never exhausted. As good as the present may be, the best is yet to come. Christ in him is the hope of future glory. And I have Colossians chapter 1 verse 27, which basically says Christ in, him, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the believer in Christ alone has hope for the future. If you lose everything in this life, you still have hope for the future. Yes. Because this life is not our end. We're just pilgrims passing through this land. That's why as believers we shouldn't be settling down 
and putting roots down. Like, hey, this is it, man. We shouldn't be chasing after the things of the world because we're pilgrims passing through. At the end, I'm just going to give you this. The Lord gave gave me said this, gave me a scripture that actually said it. I don't even can't even tell you where it's at now. But and I did, at that time I didn't even know what it meant until I went through Bible college and then learned something, and then um, it became a reality for me. Everything will burn up. Everything that you see on this, here is going to burn up. Oh, what about my house? Oh, my job? Oh, my... It's going to burn up. Your house will burn up. Your career will burn up. It won't matter. You won't have a career in eternity. We just, let's just get that. You're not going to have that. Everything that we value here on this earth, right now, in this present life, will burn up. And in the eyes of God, meaningless. But for us, they seem because we can only see so far. But we're just pilgrims passing on through. If you, when you go on vacation somewhere, think about how you act while you're on vacation. You're not, you're not buying a house, you ain't even looking for a job, nothing. You're just on vacation. <laughs> kind of the same idea. We're not on vacation. We're on our way home. This is not our home. We're on our way home. Our home is not here. Our home is with the Lord. This is not our home. We as believers... Can I just be real? We need to start acting like it. Yeah. I, just be real. I mean, we need to start acting like this isn't our home. We need to start acting like we have another home. Be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing. Come out from among them. Be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing, say the Lord. But yet, we we really do, and I have I'm from preaching, right preaching right here to Tanner. You're a pilgrim passing through, son. And what you'll find if you do that, what you'll find is fulfillment and satisfaction like you never known before. And then the truth is, God can bless you with things and he knows that you won't make them your God. Yes. And you won't make them an idol. Yes. Remember what he told Abraham. Abraham, I, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Not, not the promise, Abraham. It's me. It's me, Abraham. Get your eyes off of the promise and get your eyes on me because I'm your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. He is our shield. He is our exceeding great reward. Nothing here on earth. Because of his faith, 
the Christian has an assurance that the thing he hopes for are real. That the things he hopes for are real. You can find that in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. And his hope never disappoints him. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. I'm so close to it, I'll just flip there and see it. And hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. That he might become the father of many nations. Presents that which was brought about by faith as verse 17 presents that which was promised by faith. Even though the promise was made by the Lord, Abraham had to activate his faith in order that the promise be realized, which it was. All the promises that we have in Christ Jesus, we can only receive them if we activate our faith. If we don't believe them by faith and accept them by faith, the promise is still there, but we never realize it because we never accept it by faith. That's the same idea. The promise was given to Abraham, but until he accepted it by faith, until he activated his faith on that promise, he never wouldn't have received it. According to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. This is taken from Genesis 15, 5. This has been fulfilled in Christ and continues to be fulfilled in Christ. One must understand that it was all in the spiritual sense. In other words, the patriarch was believing God for spiritual things, even though Isaac was physical. Abraham's seed ultimately was Christ. You see that in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Let me go there because this is important. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said not, and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, singular, which is Christ. As Jesus is to be the ultimate conclusion of all faith. So Abraham's seed ultimately was Christ, just like we saw in Galatians. As Jesus is to be the ultimate conclusion of all faith. If your faith does not lead you to Christ, then it is empty faith. And it's not faith that God will recognize. If your faith doesn't lead you to Christ, you have empty faith. Uh, verse 19. And being not weak in faith. Abraham had strong faith. The faith walk is not an uneventful walk, but rather the opposite. This walk is the one in which Satan contests the most. Every single attack against the child of God by Satan irrespective of its nature, is for one purpose, and that is to weaken and ultimately destroy one's faith in God. If Satan can get you to walk away from your faith, then he's killed you. Because it's through your faith in Christ that you were made alive from the dead, spiritually speaking. If he can get you to walk away from that faith, then he's killed you, and he's won. 
So every attack by Satan is really at your faith. It may come in the form of financial. It may come in the form of sickness. But ultimately, it's an attack on your faith. Because you can lose your health and keep your faith and make it to heaven and Satan loses. But if you lose your faith, So every attack, even though it comes, it's manifested in a lot of different ways, it's really an attack on your faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. None of us are perfect, but if we will not quit, God will not quit. If you don't quit, God won't quit. Uh, next part. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. This presents the obstacle of faith. Uh, the word considered in the Greek is K-A-T-A-N-O-E-O. K-A-T. A-N-O-E-O. -O. One more time. K-A-T-A-N-O-E-O. -O. And it means to consider attentively. To fix one's eyes or mind upon. One more time. To consider attentively. To fix one's eyes or mind upon. Abraham considered very attentively his physical condition, which was hopeless, staring these obstacles right in the face, but refused to consider them. The door was closed so far as having offspring was concerned. For Abraham, that door was closed. And he recognized that. True faith doesn't ignore the obstacle. Let's just be real, because I, I realize that sometimes that, you, that that's been taught. Oh, don't say you're sick. If you say you're sick, then you're no, 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 no. You, you're not. If you admit that you're sick, then you admit that you need help, <laughs> and that's okay. That's a good thing. If you say that you don't have sin, then you'll never go to Christ. Now, if that principle is a must for salvation then why would it change after? You must first realize that you're a sinner. No one can get saved unless they first see they're a sinner. Is that correct, Brother Dan? Because if you don't know you're a sinner, guess what you don't think you need? A Savior. So to sit there and say, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. Well, if I say that I'm sick, then I'm going to get sick. You're already sick. <laughs> you're already sick and you keep sneezing on everybody else getting everybody else sick and you don't want to admit that you're sick just admit that you're sick just because you say yeah okay yes I have the flu doesn't mean that you do not have faith that God can heal you I'm sorry. Abraham recognized I, <laughs> I'm past the age to have a child I see the obstacle of faith here 
But just because the obstacle is there doesn't mean that I'm not going to believe. That's real faith. Real faith doesn't ignore something. It acknowledges it, but it acknowledges that God is greater. Yes, the next one. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Places her in the same situation as Abraham. The reason that it was necessary that Abraham and Sarah be brought to this place, a place of impossibility. Because remember, in the natural, it's impossible. As far as natural ability is concerned, is because the hope of the flesh had to die in every respect, which meant Abraham and Sarah had to be brought to a place where it was impossible in every conceivable capacity for this promise of God to be brought about through their own ability or the ability of others. The work had to be done totally and completely of the spirit and none of the flesh. In this walk, you're going to be brought by God into places and situations where it will be impossible. In the natural. Because the hope of the flesh. Must die. If you think. That you can overcome sin. Within your own self. Then you have hope in the flesh. And God's going to bring you to a place. To where you finally realize. And admit. Even if he has to tear you down completely. For you to admit, okay, okay, I can't do it. And then he says, good. The flesh is not. And now, I'm going to give it to you. Because the spirit can't do it when the flesh is there. Because then you'll take credit. That's right. So the hope of the flesh must die before God can bring forth a miracle. That's why Abraham and Sarah had to be in a place yes. that in the natural it was totally impossible. Yeah. Yeah. To where they say, if God doesn't do it, it yeah. can't happen. Yeah. That's right. And then it was at that moment that they fully put all of their eggs in one basket. God has to do it or else it won't happen. And then he said, now we talk. <laughs> now that's the faith I'm looking for. And bam, Sarah got pregnant. <laughs> they tried it on their own because the flesh, the flesh, and from that birthed Ishmael, and from Ishmael, the Arab nations who now war against the Jews for all time and eternity until Jesus returned. It makes sense when we say sometimes, because you do hear this said a lot, when people get in a desperate situation, they turn to God. Yeah. yeah. And that begins to really make a lot more sense. All hope of the flesh has died. <laughs> yeah. And God has to bring us to that place. Yeah. And that's not... I'm not let's let's live with, take it. In each one of our lives, I'm pretty sure we all have that ministry. All hope of the flesh must die in ministry. 
If I think in my, well, my ability to present this, my ability to come up with some type of program, some type of pamphlet, some type of teaching, in my ability, I will help the people understand you got hope in the flesh and it's going to have to die. And God, you know what God would do? The truth is, God will allow it to fail. Well, I don't understand why people aren't hanging around. I don't, am I not good enough? See, then we'll start turning inward. All about me. Well, they just don't like me. Am I not good enough? No, you got hope in the flesh. God's trying to get that to die in order that he can bring forth whatever it is he's promised you. And so he can bring forth the ministry in power. Mm, yeah. Then, whenever you preach and you teach, the Holy Spirit goes forth and then souls are changed, lives are changed, people are saved, brought in, all of these different things, and you won't glory or boast, not one bit. And you say, I'm just a servant doing what I was asked. I'm just a servant. And I don't deserve it. Because if it wasn't for His grace. But if you think you got it. If you think you know the answer. And you think you know what to do. Then you got hope in the flesh. And God's going to allow you to bust your face and fail. That's in ministry. That's with sin. That, I mean, we could, that's anything. Anything. I know how to handle my children. Okay. Open the flesh since you got it. You got to be brought to that place of impossibility to where you feel, Lord, if you don't do it, <laughs> if you don't do it, Lord, it can't be done. It can't be done. That's why I pray every time I get up to minister, Lord, if you don't move by your spirit, yeah. then I'm wasting my time. Because there's no, I could, I could have the best speech, I can come up with the best everything, but if your spirit doesn't move, I'm wasting my time, and people are going to leave the same way they came. Even though I'll be like, man, I'll be a pretty good job. But yet, dead people came in and dead people left. They had to come to the end of themselves. Before the great promise of God could take effect. And you see that later on. You see that in the book of Romans. What Paul said at the end of chapter 7. Oh wretched man that I am. Paul came to the end of himself. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Yes. What we see is impossible. God says, I'm possible. It's spelled the same way. I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E. I'm possible. Yes. Impossible, I'm possible. That he, that's what he told, uh, you, you go back to Exodus, remember Moses said, what am I going to tell, tell? He said, you tell him I am. I am whatever you have need of. That's what I am. That's what God was really saying. I am whatever you need. You need a savior? Oh, I'm that. You need a healer? I am. 
You need a father? I am. Whatever you have need of, I am. The work must be all of God and none of man. All works of the flesh become sources of contention as proven by Hagar and Ishmael. If a work of the, if a work of the flesh is brought forth, it is going to become a source of contention to the plan of God. Every time. Every single time, because what does Scripture say? The flesh lusteth against the Spirit. If it is of the Spirit, it is the mind and will of God. If it is of the flesh, it is contrary to the mind and the will of God. We don't see the real seriousness and importance in finding the mind of God and the will of God in every single thing. Because we don't properly understand this. That if, if a work of the flesh comes forth, it is actually contrary and in contention with God's will. And it will fight against it. Just like Hagar and Ishmael were a work of the flesh. And it actually contended against the work of the spirit, Isaac. And it still does to this day. The Arabs hate the Jews. To this day. That's why... God told Abraham, you got to cast out the bondwoman. You got to cast out the work of the flesh. If you let the work of the flesh stay here, you can never. It's going to kill the spirit. That's right. The work of the flesh is going to kill what the spirit is trying to do. And he did try. He did try to kill him. He did. He did try to kill him because that's the flesh. Wants to kill the work of the spirit, and that's in that's in every single I don't, that applies across the board to everything. If there's a work of the flesh in my life, in my personal life, it's going to fight against the work of the spirit. That's why that's why it's so important to find the mind of the Lord and the will of God in every single thing, not just big things, everything. Because the work of the spirit, I mean, the work of the flesh, is going to contend against the work of the spirit. And the little foxes. That's the right. little foxes spoil the life. Well, you see that pattern in Scripture of uh, the, the, the firstborn uh, representing the flesh, Cain and Abel, Isaac, uh, not Isaac, uh, Jacob and Esau, and Ishmael and, uh, and Isaac. And each time, Ishmael, Cain, and Esau all represented the flesh. And each time tried to kill the other. Yep. And one did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One, yeah, one did. Yeah. That's the important. It's a serious thing. That's why I said we don't. We don't. Especially in, in the modern church, that's not even considered. But most uh, honestly, the mindset in the modern church is if it's in your heart, then it's from God. <laughs> no. Yeah. There's a whole lot of things in my heart that I can tell you right now. I don't need no help. That's not from the Lord. <laughs> that's that's not from God. I already know that. That's that's definitely not from God. <laughs> but yet, that's kind of the mindset of the modern church. And I'll give you an example in Scripture to prove what I'm telling you. David, in the heart of David, David wanted to build a house for God. 
And the prophet came to David and said, Oh, that's good, David. Do what's in your heart. That's good. God showed up on the scene and said, David, you can't build that. They, there, was a, there was presumption that, oh, because it was on my heart, then that must be from the Lord. And I want to be, no, 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 no. That's presumption. And it was wrong. David couldn't do it. Solomon was going to do it. God showed up and said, I don't think so. But David, because he was in his heart, and it was a good thing. Building a house for the Lord wasn't a bad thing. But David was acting on presumption because it was in his heart. Ooh, because it's in my heart, this must be good. Let's do it. And the prophet even said, who didn't seek the mind of God, obviously, because God showed up later on and said, just because something's in your heart doesn't mean that that's from God. You need to get on your face and seek God. Lord, is this from you or is it just me? And if you don't, you're going to bring forth flesh and you're going to be in contention with the spirit until you cast it out. That's true. Uh, verse 20. He staggered not with the promise of God uh, through unbelief. He did not allow the obstacles or difficulties and even failures at times to deter him from the intended conclusion. Uh, that word staggered in the Greek is D-I-A K-R-I-N-O. One more time. D-I-A-K-R-I-N-O. And it means to judge between two. To waver between two opinions or decisions. To judge between two. To waver between two opinions or decisions. The idea is Abraham did not waver between belief and unbelief with respect to his difficulty and the ability of God to meet it. He did not waver. He did not allow his mind to dwell on difficulties, thereby weakening his faith. He was not divided in his mind by unbelief. Now, for us, this refers to the promise of God, what we have in Christ. Forgiveness of sins, righteousness, victory over sin, freedom from the dominion of sin. These are promises that we have in Christ. That's where this comes into play. He says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So our promise isn't a son. Our promise is what we have in Christ. And we want to not stagger. We want, I, want it, I want that to be said about me. Tanner staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Tanner, even though he failed... He never stopped believing that what Christ did was enough. Yes. He never stopped believing that Christ won the victory at Calvary. Even though he failed. Remember, remember uh, Jesus told Peter, Peter saying, has, has he's asked to sift you as wheat. 
But I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith failed not. He didn't say, Peter, that you don't fail. Peter, you're going to fail. But I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. Basically, we can bring that right here. Peter, I'm praying that you stagger not at the promise of God. That your sins can be forgiven through belief in me. Peter, I'm praying for you. Brother Danny, I'm praying for you. That's Jesus. Brother Danny, I'm praying for you. That, that even though you're going to fail, Brother Danny, you're going to fail. I'm praying that you stagger not at the promise of God. That in Christ Jesus, you have righteousness. That you've been given a position. That your sanctification will be complete. That sin shall not have dominion over you. That, that Jesus has defeated every principality and power that will ever come against you and your family. Amen. That Jesus has done it. I'm praying, Brother Danny, that you stagger not at the promise of God through unbelief. Yeah, but, but Brother Tanner, you just, you don't see, I see the struggle in my life. No, no, no. That you stagger not. At the promise. Not what you see. Because Abraham couldn't see his son. See that's where it comes into for us. Comes into play for us. And I, just, I don't see my full sanctification being finished. I see things in my life right now as a child of God. That I know do not belong there. I. Me. I see that. And my job. Is not to try to get rid of them. Because I can't. It's not possible. My job is to believe that what Jesus did is enough. That he already defeated whatever it is that I'm facing. And that at the end, when I stand before him, he'll say, you staggered not, Tanner. You staggered not at the promise. Yeah, but Lord, all of my faults and my failures. I failed here. I blew it here. I messed up here. And he'll say, no, no, no. You staggered not. Because it's your faith I'm looking at, Tanner. I'm looking at your faith, not your action because you're going to fail. But if your faith doesn't fail, then you made it. <laughs> If your faith doesn't fail, you made it. Mm. Praise God. Yes. Mm. If your faith does not fail, you've made it. You are going to fail. We, we have a desire to be conformed into the image of Christ. That we would live holy, righteous lives before God. We have that desire in us. And the promise in scripture is that sin shall not have dominion over you. But yet there are times that it seems like when I look at Tanner's condition, it seems like sin has dominion over me. But am I going to believe what I see, feel, and hear? Or am I going to believe the Word of God? 
Am I going to believe the obstacle in the way, the giant that stands before me and says, I don't think so. I realize God said, just like Goliath mocked Israel and mocked David. The bondage in your life may be mocking. It may be standing and mocking the word of God and saying, not today. God said it, but I'm going to kill you. And you won't see it. But David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord was wrapped up when, when in, the old, in that time when the name of someone, it was who they were and what they did. That was all involved in someone's name. If I said Robert Kratzer, it would be who he is and what he does. He's a, bit, he's a pastor. So who he is, if all I say is Robert Kratzer and that implies who he is and what he's done. So if I say the name of Jesus, that implies who he is and what he has done. So he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. What he was saying was, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus and the finished work of Calvary. That's what I'm coming to you in. The authority of the great I am. And the giant fell. He staggered not. Even though the giant stood in the way, he still believed. He staggered not. There may be a giant in your life, a giant, I don't know what it is, and it doesn't matter. I don't need to know what it is. You know, and the Lord knows, that's all that matters. There may be a giant in your life, but if you staggered not at the promise of God that it will fall, But was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Was strong means to make strong and do with strength. To make strong and do with strength. Abraham was strengthened or endued with strength. This strength is qualified by the words in faith, which means with respect to faith. His faith was strengthened in God and by God to meet his impossible difficulty with the miracle. The idea is that Isaac was the result of a biological miracle performed by God in answer to Abraham's faith, which meant that the glory would go to God and not otherwise. We can see a law of God in action here. The law of faith, which we saw in Romans chapter 3, verse 27, we learned about the law of faith. The more one exercises faith in God, the more faith is granted unto that person. By contrast to those who evidence unbelief, they sink deeper and deeper into more unbelief. Verse 21. And being fully persuaded. Speaks of a guarantee of no turning back. Persuaded means completely assured 
or totally convinced. Completely assured or totally convinced. The patriarch looked at the physical obstacles which confronted he and Sarah, but judged them as nothing in comparison to the power of God. He firmly believed in the ability of God to fulfill his promise, and no difficulty shook him. His faith rested upon a God of creation and of resurrection, and these facts are recorded not as mere history, but as illustrations for all time of God's method of justification by faith. Next part. That what he had promised, he was also able to perform. No matter how impossible the situation may seem to be in the natural, Abraham knew that God was able to do what he said he would do. And so he did. What God has promised, he will perform. There are things, and God has promised that sin shall not have dominion over you. That you can live free from the power of sin in your heart and in your life on a daily basis. God, that's a promise that we have in Christ Jesus. But yet in our condition, in this walk, we don't always see that. Amen? Can we just be, be honest? We don't always see that. But yet it doesn't change that it's a promise that we have in Christ. And if God promised it, then he's able to perform it. So we need to believe what God is. He's able to perform it. Not always what we see, because we don't always see it. We have times where we see it and times where we don't. And like we've said before, the problem for us is sin. It always has been and it always will be sin. That's our greatest need, victory over sin. Especially for the child of God. Victory over sin. To live a holy life unto God. And it's a promise in Christ. Believe that promise. Just like Abraham believed the promise. Your promise is not a child. But what Abra Abraham's faith is an example for us. It's not the promise that's an example for us. It's the faith that Abraham that's the example for us. God gave Abraham a promise. Abraham believed the promise even though he didn't physically see it. And because of that, God gave Abraham righteousness. Because he believed. Same thing for us. God has given us promises in Christ Jesus. And if we hold on to that faith, hold on, then he'll say, you staggered not even though you failed. You staggered not because your faith didn't fail. You didn't see it, but you kept believing. You didn't see it, but you kept believing. The giant was still there and you didn't see him fall and his head cut off, but you kept believing. And eventually, if you keep believing, the giant will fall and his head will be cut off. If you keep believing, but if you stop believing, and we believe, I believe that he is able, if he promised it, he's able to perform it. Whether I see it when I think I need to see it, when I think I should see it, or I don't. Verse 22. 
and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Abraham's faith was in God's ability to perform his promise. God imputed righteousness to Abraham because he believed, not because he did something. Abraham got righteousness because he believed what God promised. If you want righteousness, then believe what God has promised in Christ Jesus. That's how we get it. That's how we get righteousness. And that's the only way you're going to get victory over sin either, is to believe. And what God has promised in Christ. And he's promised sin shall not have dominion over you. I need that promise in my life. I need that promise to be manifested. I want to see it. Hold on. Hold on. With everything that you have. To the promises in Christ Jesus. No matter what you see or don't see, hold on. Hold on. Amen? Amen. Amen.